needing to ground in this Aquarian stellium retrograde. So let's start with all of us grounding as I light this Palo Santo and call in the north, the east, the south, the west, earth, air, fire, and water, all of our angels, ancestors, and allies, Gaia, the galaxy, the universe, to bring us into center, true self, connected in oneness for whatever we want to spew today in our priestess Mercury way. And our jumping off point for today's discussion is going to be an intuitive talk about different charts that we can cast in astrology to understand ourselves. And we want to have more of a healing discussion, not so much a history lesson or the math of it, but more like what, how we can understand ourselves, more of a right brain discussion of what these charts, what Matt and I feel these charts mm -hmm. show us about ourselves. Right. Yeah. And keeping in mind that uh, the uh, chart is a map, but uh, there's that old adage that the the map is not the territory, uh, that it's just a kind of marker for you to get a sense of uh, what's going on inside of you and to listen to the interior voice uh, and let the let what comes up in the charts uh, give you guidance, but not necessarily uh, cause you to feel uh fated in any kind of way although fit, there's a different approach to fate that maybe we can get to later on in the discussion well, i think but. it's great to start right now and in this intuitive flow that when you do get into astrology and tarot this is my take on it you mm -hmm. do start to understand your destiny before it arrives it's just what happens right and it's not you know you can my my feeling what i feel to be true and again we're all free to feel our own truth is that a lot has already been written mm -hmm. and it shows up i've seen it time and time again with charts and cards time and time again i have seen the cards and the charts predict way too often and the way that i take that in is that if you want to know, don't ask unless you want to know, first of all, right? because it can be stressful. And I have certain clients that don't want to know. And then I have other clients that want to know and be prepared. And it's more, are, you know, can you handle the responsibility? Do you want to be prepared? Right. And that also you're only going to be shown through the chart or the cards or any means of divining or understanding outside of time, you're only going to be shown what you're meant to see, mm -hmm. not more. Right. Yeah. Cause your inner self uh, is there. Uh, and that's that part of you that's connected to uh, the rest of consciousness or the universe. Um, and, you know, there, one of the things that astrology 
uh, in particular uh, tells us about ourselves is that we have more agency and power than we often uh, allow ourselves to think we have. Uh, that, you know, your birth is not an accident, uh, that uh, there are things uh, that, uh, you know, you, your inner self is intending and uh, bringing forth uh, that, you know, your ego might not fully understand. Uh, yeah, that's exactly that, that the difference that who we are is all these different aspects and the ego aspect is so different than the inner self or the true self or the soul that is incarnating with purpose, with essence, with fate, with destiny. The ego wants to have control. Mm -hmm. It wants to say, I did it without any help. <laughs> <laughs> And the true self is like, no, you didn't. <laughs> You're always connected to all the help. Like we live in a symbiotic, interdependent matrix. Right. Everything is connected. Yeah. And also, you know, recognizing that you, your, the you that you project as you uh, is also made up of all kinds of living beings uh, yeah. that, uh, you know, we, our modern medicine still doesn't even come close to comprehending. Uh, there's, you know, there's a lot that's going on in biology that is moving that direction, but uh, it's still like you are a universe, your body itself is a universe unto itself. And then you are, you know, within this universe, and then there's a universe, you know, that's beyond you as well. When you when you share that, I'm thinking of Ken Wilber's book that I started reading, where he talks about that as halons all the way up, halons all the way down. And I know I'm not going to explain this well, but then somehow it gets to this example of turtles. He mm -hmm. explains it in the book. Uh, I don't even remember the name. Sex ecology and course I don't remember the name that's fine um but I like to now say in my mind turtles all the way up turtles all the way down that mm -hmm. and basically what you're saying what he's saying is that we are a part and a whole all the time the part is always the whole the whole is always the part the nesting dolls at, you know you're a part and a whole all the way up all the way down forever mm -hmm. and how science you know, there was a time when the atom was the smallest thing. And then it's like, no, it's also a part hole. There's even smaller. Oh, it's also a part hole. There's even smaller. And same with bigger and bigger. And when it comes to astrology and tarot and these arts of the soul, I love how you said, I forget how you said it just now, but that we're not just, we're made up of so many different beings. Mm-hmm. And when you look at that through depth and the soul, that's bringing in these archetypes and that the archetypes, when we're looking at astrology, we're not looking at the rock in the sky of the planet. We're looking at the sentient being that is Mars, that is Venus, 
-hmm. and that these beings live in the collective unconscious and the collective unconscious is part of us turtles all the way up turtles all the way down mm -hmm. at some point we connect to venus mars jupiter uranus as these beings right and yeah, the, and that's the chart yeah there there is like a school of astrology that is all about that the it's about the vibrations uh not the plant, the planet bodies themselves are uh, uh, just manifestations of a, an energy that signature that uh, has a pattern, a time pattern to it, and that the uh, planet's motion gives us a sense of what that is. Um, and then, you know, from that, they used a number of uh, imaginary planets or things that we don't see yet uh, to also time out in a chart. So, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of approaches to it that are not just uh, treating it like uh, that it's a physics thing per se. Yeah, it's not just the third dimension. Right. We're, we're operating on so many dimensions at once. And when you're looking at the chart or these different charts, you're looking into the many dimensions. You're looking at turtles that are way down in there and way up there and how they're affecting you. And, and that's so the, some of the charts we were wanting to bring up uh, one, because I had a request to talk about progress charts mm -hmm. and then the solar chart, solar return mm -hmm. and the natal. And then we also thought if we have time, we'd throw in the, uh, What's it called in Hellenistic? The chart ruler. Oh, you mean? Are you talking about the perfections? The perfections, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so we can start with looking at the natal mm -hmm. chart, which is like your signature for life, mm -hmm. for your lifetime. Yeah, and all, all the other charts kind of play off of your natal chart. They're yeah. kind of a uh, a way of augmenting it, uh, treating it like a clock uh, in different ways, uh, based on different uh, approaches to time. Uh, treating it like a clock. Yeah. So the natal is like your center mm -hmm. that's always at play. And then you're going to say something. Yeah. And treating the, and when we talk about the natal chart or your birth chart, which you know, it's that signature for the moment you're born. Uh, we want to treat it like a, uh, Richard Tarnas called it a multivalent uh, approach so that the things in there can mean a host of things. Uh, you know, Jupiter can mean uh, one thing in one person's chart, but it can mean something else entirely in somebody else's um, within a kind of a range of uh, meanings. So we want to, you know, the, the natal is something we always want to come back to and try and pinpoint down a little bit more, try to figure out. Always. Yeah, what's going yeah. on? That's the thing about the charts is you can look at it and always feel into it in a new way. It's alive. It's a mm -hmm. living signature. And it changes shape as you change shape. Mm -hmm. And it speaks to you as you speak to it. It's not it. There's the symbol of the chart, the symbology, when you're actually looking at the wheel written down, 
-hmm. but that's not the chart. That's just the symbol right. of the chart. The chart is lived. It's living. It's living inside of you, you know, again, all the way up, all the way down at all times. So it's really connecting to the interdependent turtles all the way up and all the way down the moment you look into the chart. And same with the cards. You're calling upon all the different connections all the way up, all the way down. And wherever you are locating yourself in that moment is the wisdom for the now, mm -hmm. which is so cool. I mean, it just never gets old. I mean, it's always new. The moment is always new. Yeah. Truly. Because the universe is alive. It's a living consciousness. Uh, and we're all a part of it. And so as long as we're here, we're still a part of that consciousness. Uh, part of that consciousness. I'm just feeling that right now. And, and my constant passion to get astrology and tarot away from the left brain, logical, rational, conceptual place and back into the lived, mm -hmm. sentient, conscious universe place. And for, and Matt and I both feel this way that the impact that we want to have is to remind you to tune into that, to tune into the aliveness and be your own reader. Mm -hmm. as you also seek guidance because it's awesome to get guidance <laughs> but like to not forget that you're your own reader mm -hmm. and that each of us is meant to be our own reader there's no way that i could read your chart in the same way that you read your own chart yeah and it's a lifelong process uh, of figuring out, you know, what these things mean for you. And, uh, you know, I've, you know, I feel like I've been doing it for uh, years. And I'm like, still, uh, you know, every time I come back to the chart, there's something uh, I wasn't seeing. Uh, yeah. And, you know, the lived experience as we go through things, that it, tr it triggers certain, um, you know, parts of us that, you uh, or triggers our memory in a way that makes something completely new to us. Um, I mean, it's the same way when you read a book, uh, you know, when you're a teenager and then come back and read it again uh, in your, uh, you know, thirties or forties, and it's a totally different book. And you're like, what, what was that? Like, I yeah. thought it meant one thing back then and now it means something else. And it's because it, it, uh, you were, you're moving, you're growing, your, uh, your consciousness is developing and, you know, your interaction with it is going to be, uh, totally different, uh, because of the, your, your experience of time. And I feel like, you know, this is just props to Aquarius because I feel like with all the planets in Aquarius right now and Aquarius really representing innovation, I'm having a feeling inside of, wanting to highlight the contrast of newness and change and thinking about how our egos get so stuck. We want to make everything last forever. We want yeah. marriages that last forever, homes that last forever, jobs that last forever. We're terrified of aging and terrified of death. 
because we've forgotten the halons, we've forgotten the continuation and the not connected to the feeling of the aliveness of consciousness always becoming new, always becoming new, changing shape and changing form. And so I feel like the ego just wants to lock it down like the moment and mm -hmm. create rituals around it that's like forever it's this. <laughs> and and which is cool too. I don't want to, you know, bash cool, awesome things like marriage where you get to spend one lifetime with another person and make memories or or to have 30 years experience as a lawyer or whatever like there is beauty in that as well it's not yeah. one or the other i'm just feeling the contrast of how well, and, we can yeah. live too much and yeah and most of change. yeah most of those people that are married for you know 30 40 years will tell you that it's a different like their partner is a different person and they're a different person at the right. end. Like it's a yeah. different relationship uh, when, from when you started, when you, when you're getting, you know, close to the end of your lives. And uh, so, so it's, so yeah, different. it's true that when you do create a, a long lasting ritual for whatever, there's constant change within it. Mm -hmm. And so I think now that you share that, I'm like, yeah, true. And just thinking like, I think what I want to say is learning in the spirit of Aquarius and talking about these charts is learning how to be flexible enough. Mm -hmm. You know, when a marriage needs to end, when it's changing and going forward, when it, when a career needs to end, you know, mm -hmm. and again, these are, I just want to say, disclaim that this is when you have the privilege right because of the fucked up world <laughs> many people don't have the choice right to change well that's in that's order to survive. part of our uh the western culture in particular that tries to standardize the hell out of everything uh in order to be able to predict what's going to happen uh and unfortunately that causes a lot of the oppression of people right. because people are the one thing that, well, one of the things, I mean, nature also is one of those things that we think we have it locked down. And then, you know, a virus leaps from a bat to people. And then mm -hmm. we have to deal with the uh, terror of uh, the fact that we don't control what's going on, um, that uh, the, there are always going to be things outside of that control. And the more we've, you know, created these rigid structures, the harder it, that lesson is. Um, yeah. And, and it's in like the rigid structures are, you know, just again, I don't want to get stuck. In, I want us to talk about the charts, but right. the rigid structure of, you know, humans being turned into a commodity just really sucks. And yeah. it, it completely shuts down the true self. It completely marginalizes and oppresses and gives nobody room to be a living, breathing consciousness that's constantly evolving. It just shuts the whole thing down and mm -hmm. it sucks and it's horrifying. And we are stuck in this nightmare and trying to figure out how to transform it and heal it. And that's, that's priority. Right. And yeah. so as we talk about the living, breathing consciousness, I want to be sensitive to that and that this conversation be an inspiration mm -hmm. versus, you know, if you can't make these, you know, I don't know. 
Right. Well, you know that's, I mean? <laughs> yeah. And that's where that, that's where, uh, you know, when things like fate come up, uh, when we're dealing with divination, when we're dealing with astrology, uh, it can uh, be felt like uh, someone else telling you to know your place, stay in your lane. Yeah. Uh, and that's not what we're talking about here at all. Yeah, we're not uh, talking about the stay in your lane, know your place, fate. Right. We're talking it's about, about standing outside of time. Yeah. It's about stepping into who you are. Stepping uh, into who you are. Mm -hmm. Standing outside of time. When you when you come when you get outside the third dimension, you can see the future and the past as a prism or a fractal pattern, not a linear line. Mm -hmm. And you can step into who you are. And who you are isn't about the success of things like the ego wants. It's not about the success. It's not even about survival. Right. It's not even that. It, it's more about experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what the beauty of like dream life awakens us to that you know, things can come in and out and change and be very different. And uh, it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, just a survival mechanism. Uh, right, per se. because death isn't the end, mm -hmm. you know, and survival is the first shock, right? It's like the game, the Darwin mm -hmm. game. And it and it's just one of many games. It's one of many lenses to look through. And that dream life, I love that. I love how you say that because when you're dreaming, all sorts of weird things happen and it's not about surviving. Like dreams show you the, the prism, the living consciousness in such a way of, of how more like it is mm -hmm. in the sense that it's like a tarot card or like a chart. Mm -hmm. So it's beautiful. Like there's so much beauty even i'll just leave it at that there's so yeah. much beauty well and that's a good jumping uh point to get into these other charts because that's yeah. kind of the idea that that these sprang out of that uh you know that your uh life looks different constantly and that things are going to shift and change and you know say what uh you know mercury meant at the moment you're born is going to unfold and mean different things throughout your lifetime. And that if you keep casting different kinds of charts, uh, then you can start to see some of those uh, patterns uh, ahead of time. Uh, you know, one of the popular ones uh, and probably one of the oldest ones is uh, doing what we call an uh, solar return chart. Uh, the annual Love chart, the solar return chart. Yeah, it's like your chart of the year on your birthday. It's the chart you cast to see the trends for the year ahead, the energies, and how they're playing with you for the year ahead. Right. Yeah. When the sun comes back to that place where it was in the sky when you were born, and you can see a new pattern, uh, and a new cycle happening. Uh, and the solar return charts are great. Uh, and most astrologers will offer, uh, you know, a solar return reading. Uh, it's really a great birthday gift for people. 
to get it's a sense of gift. Yeah. yeah to get a sense of what uh, kind of can come ahead and you know you can read it just like you do your natal chart though you do want to kind of keep in mind where things are uh in your natal chart and then compare them to where they are in the solar return i uh, yeah i know matt and i matt you can get you are way more detail oriented than i i live like in the essence so when i'm reading a solar return i don't look at it in comparison to my natal because it's like too much and then i just lose it and i feel like i'm listening to a star trek language i can't understand anymore right um yeah so it's that too is like you you yeah you can look at how it's playing off your natal chart but you can also just look at the solar return in and of itself as like a year reading like it's that's how I feel about it. I feel like mm -hmm. the natal chart is who you are. The solar return is what's going to happen. And, right. and it's like, what's going to happen in essence. Like if you have Uranus in the seventh house, there's going to be sudden, a sudden shift in your, with close relationships or a partner, but you don't know exactly what that's going to be or what it's going to look like, but you know that that's like the trend. Whereas having right. Uranus in your seventh house in your natal might be mm -hmm. that you're the type of person that suddenly has a different feeling or identity. In or you go through a lot of sudden shifts that uh, in those areas, you might go through um, a lot of very insightful relationships, but you might cycle through. Uh, it might not be like, one person for one life. person yeah it might be that you cycle through and then again i just want to bring it back to the lived consciousness that uranus is coming up through the dimensions through the mm -hmm. turtles and living through the ego in mm -hmm. that way so where you know that's like that's how it's operating and the the destiny around that isn't so much in the physical manifestation of it, although the ego trips out on that and gets, we get hooked on that because our senses are so intoxicating, mm -hmm. yet it's almost more about the, the energetic experience. And, you know, to ground this, I just want to say, this is really what wants to come out of me. Um, is that that's our karma and our dharma that you can't, this is why you can't compare. Like one of the big oh, things yeah. that I, that I say, that I talk about a lot is like a lot of people are into manifestation magic mm -hmm. and manifesting, creating your reality. But if you have like, for, I'm just going to use myself as an example. I have a 12th house North node mm -hmm. that's in Capricorn. So I am not meant to manipulate the physical world. I am meant to surrender my strong mm -hmm. physical, my desires for the worldly things and let spirit bring it to me when I open my heart to the collective unconscious and the inner planes. I am not meant to do manifestation magic. It's not my karma. It's not my dharma. And right. whenever I, I did it for years, you know, every full new moon and never worked. But if I did ritual around my inner self, like being more loving or more tolerant 
or whatever, you know, it totally worked. Mm -hmm. So that's like an example of like the chart will show you your karma and your dharma. Not everyone is meant to have the same experiences. Right. And that's where you can really see, is it your, you know, your dharma is your purpose, your north node and your karma would be like looking at Chiron and Pluto and Saturn and seeing what, what emotional baggage that when you don't let go of an emotion, mm-hmm. it stays with you through the lifetimes. So your karma is the emotional baggage you've come into this lifetime with that you didn't let go of in the last lives, life lives. And that yeah. shows up in Saturn. That's what Saturn's showing you. And Chiron is showing you that. Pluto is showing you that. Showing you what you need to let go of. That's karma. And those two really interplay there too. To tell you, to help you understand your true self better. We're not just these cookie cutters that are like, right. create your reality. Love yourself, period. You know, it's... Yeah, I, nuance than that. I hear a lot of that. I mean, a lot of the manifestation stuff, uh, I hear a lot of it and I'm like, it's not that easy. Uh, I mean, it can be, but you have to do a lot of work to get into yourself. Like you're not going to do that if you're not in your own power already. Uh, There's that too. And then there's the people that might have Jupiter in the second house and just be like manifestation mavens, (laughs) right? So for you, you're a manifestation maven that probably needs to do a lot of Chiron work in order to remember that. Whereas I'm not meant to be manifest manifestation maven. I'm meant to surrender to the larger dimensions, the turtles all the way up and all the way down Mm -hmm. and let the physical sort of unfold from that center point, like very, very different karma dharma there. Mm -hmm. You're here for one specific expression and I'm here for another very specific expression. And if we compared and we're both reading the book, how to create your reality, it's going to work great for you and work crappy for me. Right. So it's, that's what's so awesome about the natal chart because it will show you your karma and your dharma and so that you can really get tuned in and and specific whereas the solar return will then add that layer of like okay right like this is this year's version of it right it's i mean it's the same thing that we're collectively starting to learn about genetics that uh you know we have this uh all this encoded stuff in our dna so, you know, as much as I want, I'm not going to like uh, my physical body is not going to shift to being like six, three, six, four. Uh, I have this limitation in my yeah. genetic code. And, you know, if I compare myself to somebody else uh, and what their genetic code is, it's just going to be a continual frustration. Right. Uh, it's such a great way to look at it when you see the limitations of genetics. And, you know, science is so great in like, honoring limitation we don't challenge science you know we accept the measurements and the dna and the potential of it and yet when it comes to the inner planes it's there it's the same halons all the way up halons all the way down that right and saturn is the ruler of time 
limitation. Mm -hmm. Saturn's the one that says, here are your limitations. Mm -hmm. And they're meant to be there so that we can have specific expressions. Right. I mean, that's how form works. That's how manifestation in a, in a sense works, that you have to bring things into form. Uh, and that requires limitations, constraints. Yeah. Um, there's, I mean, you, you have to have these hard uh, stops uh, within which something to t can take shape. Uh, without that, it's just kind of an idea in the ether. Right. It's a dimension, you know, whatever, the 22nd dimension where it's an expansive idea that hasn't landed in a third dimensional brain or, mm -hmm. yeah, it's again, all the way up, all the way down. And we're constantly shifting, changing. It's the kaleidoscope. And so just jumping into progressed chart mm -hmm. from here. So if solar is the year, natal's mm -hmm. the signature for life. Right. Then there's the progress chart. Which is basic. I mean, it's really like taking the natal clock and just uh, the natal chart and making it a clock. Yeah. So you're just watching how the planets moved after you were born. Um, and the, I mean, the basic idea, the easiest way to say it is like each day that you lived equates to, you know, after you're born equates to a year of your life down the road. So, you know, your the first day after you were born would be the progress chart for uh, the uh, your first year of life. Yeah. So then you can, in the progress chart, this is, you know, I've never been big into the progress chart. And then I was, um, there was a request to talk about it. So mm -hmm. I revisit, I'll revisit it every now and then and be like, hmm, this time around, thank you. Uh, shout out to Holly. Uh, <laughs> this time around, I, I just got into zero degree Capricorn as a son. I was like, Ooh, I feel that. Mm -hmm. I feel that. Yeah. I'm a Scorpio and that's undeniable. And then I can feel the Capricorn overlay as mm -hmm. my life has like my, the, the sun is right. Our ego consciousness. And I can definitely see a movement in, a zero degree, like just getting into this Capricornian ego consciousness where it's, you know, so it feel, I can feel it. I can feel my values shifting. Right. And I can feel it living through me, the Capricorn. And I know I have that North node too. Mm -hmm. So, and Jupiter and Capricorn. So it's already there, but, uh, do you feel you're, what are you? You're Capricorn now in progress, right? Yeah. Uh, my son is, it's been there for quite a while. So, yeah, late degree because you're Sagittarius. Because I'm Sagittarius. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, well, I'm an early Sagittarius son. So, uh, I mean, our birthdays are not that far apart, just a couple yeah. of weeks. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I hit, um, I, my progress son moved into Capricorn about the same time I had my Saturn return. And then, uh, uh, and then now it's, uh, you know, we're talking another 15 years later. So I'm about, my progress son's about halfway through Capricorn already. So I'm not as alive to that shift 
in my sun. But I, yeah. you know, there was a period where I would watch where when my moon would change signs and was looking at the tenor and uh, of my uh, emotional states. Uh, say when I had a progressed moon in Gemini, and then it shifted into Cancer, uh, and those are very. And then all of a sudden, I was at home a lot, uh, and uh, home was a big important thing, having a right. you know, sense of security and those kind of things. And then it shifted again and into Leo. How quickly, and, how quickly does the moon shift? Uh, ever about every two and a half years, because every it shifts signs years. every two and a half days. So the moon will get around the whole chart uh, it yeah. follows about the same pattern as a saturn cycle whereas the sun takes 30 years a degree a year right right so your your progressed sun will only change maybe twice uh depending on where you're maybe three yeah. times if right. you're at the a, very end of a sign when you're born but you wouldn't notice the first shift so much yeah yeah so the moon yeah is definitely one you can track and it's it's like an overlay it's like, oh, I'm a Scorpio Capricorn. Mm -hmm. My moon is cancer right now. And you made that mention of, well, you're always at home, which <laughs> COVID uh, <laughs> kind of created that. But um, I definitely feel I have a natal Libra moon. So I'm always seeing both sides to everything and totally emotionally indecisive because I can see the benefit of both sides all the time. So it's how do you mm -hmm. pick one when you're like, that's valid, that's valid, that sounds good, that sounds. I basically think anyone with a Libra moon is always two emotional people at the same time. Mm -hmm. And you just have to pick one because both are true. But I can definitely feel the cancer overlay in mm -hmm. the sense of, I feel way more emotionally reserved than I used to. Right. Well, the progressed, the when things progress, we're looking at the signature of time in your life. So there, you know, we have this core uh, sense of how we structure our emotions uh, that we got from our, our uh, familial surroundings when we were growing up. Uh, and the moon kind of represents a lot of that. Uh, and then, you know, when we, uh, as it progresses, it just changes the flavor of it or the feeling or the way we experience it. Uh, it gives it a slightly different feel. And when you're more tuned in, you, you recognize those, uh, you recognize that pattern and that flow. Yeah, because again, uh, it's tuning in to the, mm -hmm. the inner dimensions, the turtles up and down. And yeah, so it's like, as you're saying that, I'm like, I can feel the, oh, your natal moon's always there. And then I can feel the, it's cancer right now. Mm -hmm. And it'd be, I feel a little more emotionally reserved, a little more like, or you got to earn your trust. Whereas, you know, and when my moon was, well, my moon is Gemini and my solar return. So here's where it gets funky when, mm -hmm. you know, you can kind of go bananas <laughs> uh, <laughs> because it's like, how many selves can you, you know, analyze and feel into and reflect upon it once but uh yeah that's well know? that's one of those things that uh, i really valued when i was reading a lot of uh pd Uspensky and gurdjieff and uh there's that emphasis on that there there are multitudes of eyes uh within the the self and you know they're always vying for the ego the, the driver's uh, seat 
the driver's seat and he does the driver's seat. Yeah. So a lot of times we feel a lot like different people. And so, you know, Gurdjieff was all about like disciplining the self to get down to cut through. I love Uh, that. I love that. Cause right there it's, yeah, that's such a great way to ground that Matt. Cause it's like your ego's the driver's seat. It's got the control center Mm -hmm. and it's always, and this is how it works with turtles all the way up and down is that you never know who's going to possess the driver's seat. And when you're on the path of self-awareness, you learn to detect who's got the driver's seat. If you're not mm-hmm. on that path, it's constant. And and it, it it's a constant barrage of archetypes. And whether you're looking through the lens of astrology and it's like Venus or the moon, or, or you're looking through tarot and it's like the empress, you, when you suddenly have like a super strong desire to create out of nowhere, it's the empress has gotten control. When you suddenly feel all butt wounded by something that's totally just a molehill, you know, maybe your inner child just got into that driver's mm-hmm. seat. And then, so looking at that through the lens of these different charts, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, the progressed moon got control of the driver's seat. The solar moon got control of the driver's seat. The natal moon's in control of the driver's seat. And that if you, that this brings up another aspect of the, what, where we do have control that we have total, and this is control and not in the shitty way of like control it, but more like in the magician way of, mm-hmm. you know, learning how to control earth, air, fire, and water. And that we can manipulate. And again, I say that in the positive way of like manipulating clay, manipulating consciousness. Yeah. And, and who's going to be in the driver's seat. In some way, like we form coalition, we con- when we consciously engage with it, we form coalitions between those different eyes, uh, so that there's more of a sense that this is, you know, I, I understand more of where we're going and what we're doing, and uh, I, you know, there is, uh, it is not so haphazard. Um, and if and again, this is what I feel to be true, so I don't want to say this is the truth just what i feel mm-hmm. what how it comes through me is that the physical events are already written mm-hmm. and how we choose to show up to these events is where we have the control or the difference or the flexibility mm-hmm. and so making these coalitions when the ego makes these coalitions which is really more like the witness making a coalition Mm -hmm. The the ego, when you start to practice mindfulness, becomes the witness. It becomes the overseer, the witness, the one watching it happen. Mm -hmm. It, which is really like kind of like the soul coming into the ego, the true self. And then that's the alchemy when the true self rises out of the shadow and can occupy the driver's seat, it can you can learn and just to set, be grounded for a second, because I feel like I'm totally ungrounded right now suddenly, right. is that one thing that I'm always talking about with clients is the negative narrative. Mm-hmm. We all have our negative narrative. We all have that part that feels not good enough, mm-hmm. insecure, 
the attachment wound, the karmic wound, etc. And that will occupy the driver's seat anytime something scary or bad quote unquote happens or if someone rejects you or you lose your job or the person you love doesn't love you back or whatever and that negative narrative self the wounded self the pain body will occupy the driver's seat and then that's where you can say no mm -hmm. when your true self has enough control when you learn this you can say the feeling of being not good enough is very strong but mm -hmm. I'm going to turn down that volume. I'm going to take that wound, pain body out of the okay. driver's seat. Yeah. And that's part of where astrology can be really helpful because it's like you can recognize, oh, wait, um, I'm having a flash of anger. That's my Aries moon. Right. Uh, and then you can bring that archetype that's within you kind of into a response a responsibility relationship or a commitment coalition with, yeah like that coalition so that it's like okay i they don't all just run away with everything that they kind of keep everything it keeps everything in check a little bit yeah so you know if you're the negative narrative is coming in you filter that through astrology mm -hmm. like if you have an aries moon then the negative narrative will be like really probably really quite bold with like i suck i just suck i'm terrible mm -hmm. you know yeah. and then you can say you know what aries moon i know you're hurt i know you're feeling hurt mm -hmm. and but you don't suck and let's call i'm totally making this up at the moment i don't even know if this is gonna land but let's call upon <laughs> let's call upon my progressed Gemini moon to come in. Mm -hmm. And instead of focusing on how we suck, let's just like read a book on attachment healing right now. <laughs> <laughs> or, or make a chart of, uh, you know, the different, uh, the pros and cons uh, of, you know, what's going on. Is it really that way? Or is it maybe this way? Or, right. Like, yeah. It, like kind of look at it, analyze it from the Gemini moon place. Yeah. What am I feeling? What's my sensory experience right now? It, Check so in with that. It's interesting that as we're talking about this, I haven't done this myself. I have not used the astrological archetypes to shift around who's in my driver's seat. But now that we're talking about it, I'm like, oh, okay. So when my Libra moon, my natal Libra moon's like, well, I could do this. I could do that forever. I can call right. upon my progressed cancer moon to say what feels most cozy and nourishing. <laughs> right. And to help me make a decision. And then I can call upon my Gemini solar moon to be like, well, this year emotionally, it's about learning a lot. Mm -hmm. So I want to learn a lot and also feel safe and cozy. Those are the two things to help give my Libra, my two Libra twins, like help them make a decision. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like that. You can look at your natal. That's going to be the default feeling if mm -hmm. we're talking the moon. And then you can bring in the progression and the solar moon to help show up for right. the moment. 
Yeah. And one of the things that's great about, for instance, like the progress chart or these other, the annual charts is that you also get a sense that whatever I'm feeling right now, I don't have to feel forever. Uh, that in time, things will change. And I know we know this, like consciously, we we're aware of it. Um, but we don't always, um, we don't always, in the moment, we don't always experience it that way. Uh, and that's one of the things with astrology giving us a kind of clock to look at. It helps us to get a sense of uh, how much longer do I have to deal with this? Oh, yeah, uh, right. That's it's like so... putting a date on a calendar and you can be like, it's going to change. It's going to yeah. change. And when you have, when you know what that limit is, uh, it can be freeing in a way. Uh, it can, yeah. It can build that expectation in you that things are going to shift and change, and then of course you're you're attracting that difference in in time, uh, and that's kind of how, how I think law of attraction should really work. Anyway, is like we we do these disciplined things to help us to uh, tune the mind to the right place. Yeah, tuning the mind to the right place when you're in the law of attraction is understanding your destiny and tuning into that versus just trying to get the things we all want. The ego wants the same things. Every ego wants attention, love money, because money means comfort and ease. Uh, you know, it's the basics, the, the ego, the primitive, the animal brain wants to be secure, safe, comfortable, loved and valued over mm -hmm. and over and over. And then the soul is like, yeah, but like 90% other things. Like right. I'm here in this lifetime, I'm here to be, and you know, I'm here to be a bad person. I'm here to hurt others and learn what that does to me. I'm here to mm -hmm. heal here. I'm in this lifetime to heal and be empowered, you know, all the way light to dark turtles all the way up and down. The soul will manifest to be a negative energy as much as a positive energy, there is no judgment in mm -hmm. the largest scope of the universe. It's only the ego. And I don't mean to downplay by saying it's only the ego. It's the human story. And it's really rich is to create liberty and justice and, and love. Uh, mm -hmm. the hum we humans are the sentimental life forms. We're poetic, the, the way that we filter experience through the human to desire liberty and justice um, is a beautiful, beautiful, amazing thing. Mm -hmm. My only point is that it's not the only thing and that nature universe includes all of it. Right. And the soul will manifest for all different reasons. Sometimes a conscious choice and sometimes it's a karmic choice. Mm -hmm. Like, well, it's not a choice. It's like the more that you let go of your karma in every lifetime, the more choice you do have. That's how it works. You have more choice mm -hmm. when you pass on and you right. have, but when, if you die with a bunch of hatred in your heart, your soul, like a magnet is just gonna get sucked back into a life where you're gonna re-experience that because it's like magnetic. And the more that you let go of these karmas, the more you can choose. And that's a path. That's just one path right. too. It's not every, that's just like the Blu-ray path of the soul. Not everyone is on that path. 
some people are just aren't here to live and die and be universe matter, be prima materia. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. my like, five-year-old trying to say Latin. <laughs> uh, so I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> what were you yeah. we talking well, about? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's all about knowing your, uh, once you are aware of your limitations, uh, and that we can think of the karma in that way as a limitation, um, then we can let go of it. Uh, where we accept it uh, and it oh, is what it right. is. And, and this is, you know. So in one way, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm jumping in. I know I'm a little spazzy, um, but right there with letting go of the karma, it's Pluto. Mm -hmm. Pluto is forgive let go unconditional love even for the worst of the worst no expectation that anyone be moral and you know people are always so astonished like oh you lied and you did something harmful as if it's like mm -hmm. astonishing but when pluto pluto knows that we're capable of all the light and all the dark we're capable of all of it there's no expectation even if you want it to be that way and Pluto is that letting go. And when Pluto aspects in your chart and when it aspects, you know, when you go through so much loss. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that my, the Pluto square uh, is a very difficult uh, transit to deal with. Um, I know personally, like that was probably the hardest uh, period of my life uh, mm -hmm. where I, I mean, I was facing up to having to let go of something I really didn't want to let go of. Um, yeah, it's and, brutal. And it just takes you like into yeah, um, the underworld, the dark night of the soul kind of stuff. And you just really have to come to grips with, um, okay, I'm not, that's a limitation. Uh, I meant for that limitation when I came into my existence. So because you know, through loss, we learn unconditional love. It's essentially the Pluto's mission. Mm -hmm. Through loss, we learn forgiveness. Through loss, we learn unconditional love. And when you look, you can look at your natal Pluto and you can see where there's a loss of power in mm -hmm. your signature, because that's ultimately the loss of power. And then you can look at your um, solar Pluto and see where you're going to experience that for the year, that loss of power that's going to catapult unconditional love. Like if you have a natal Pluto in the eighth house, mm -hmm. there might be, you have the signature in you where you're always tied to other people's resources. You never feel like you can have your own resources. You're always at the whim right. of a boss or a family member, you know, and it's like this thing in your soul, right? Your natal. And then you look at your solar and Pluto's in the sixth house. And you can be like, oh, this year I'm gonna have health issues mm -hmm. and there's gonna be a loss of health. And- you Or know, I, might, uh, I might have to put myself in a place of subservience to something uh, to let go of the need to have autonomy or something like that. Yeah, you, know? you might with the sixth house might have to follow a certain routine or be like a workhorse, you know, and task out the year. Mm -hmm. And so on one layer, you're seeing where there's a loss of power, but on the healing layer, mm -hmm. that if you want to activate the healing layer of Pluto, you know, if, if you have like a natal eighth house Pluto, it's like, you've got to find 
you've got to feel your sense of power beyond other people's resources. It's not about solving the thing to feel power. It's right. It's about feeling power internally. So mm -hmm. if you have a health crisis, Pluto in the sixth house, and your body becomes limited, it's like learning that it's Pluto is going to ask you to forgive that experience and gain a deeper sense of unconditional love for life, for yourself, for others through that health crisis, mm -hmm. wherever it is in the stage of, and of course the sign, you know, mm -hmm. is gonna, although you're, the sign is going to for Pluto in for particular Pluto, is going to okay. be generational. Or, uh, yeah. Like uh, anyone born from like 70 uh, in the in the 70s, for the most part, or in early 80s, has Pluto in Libra. Uh, and then, you know, there's about 20 years of Pluto in uh, Scorpio. And then it was. I love in... you, Pluto Scorpios. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's generational. And then so that generation, too, it's so us Pluto Libra, you're we're you're. Yeah. yeah. Libra. As Pluto, Pluto Libra peeps are learning about the loss of power and relationship and how to heal from that. And then Pluto Scorpio, I love you guys, because <laughs> that's just like Pluto on top of Pluto. That's just like the loss of it all. Yeah, that's the, there, yeah, there's Blowing a lot of trauma and, and healing from, uh, aggression and power being having your power taken away from you kind of stuff yeah and it and it, the pluto always generationally squares the neptune right so you pluto scorpio well not, not square textile they, they've been they they you know these planets move very slowly so they stay in these relationships for a long time and, and pluto like yeah pluto and neptune keep moving in and out of a sextile they have for uh you know over 50 years so yeah and so like the pluto scorpio generations sextiles the neptune and capricorn which is basically like toxic patriarchy be gone let's mm -hmm. build a new and fair structure whereas us pluto libra sextiling neptune sag are mm -hmm. like the age of psychological awareness, like bringing therapy and awareness and like mm -hmm. how to have more harmony and relationship and to speak more of the higher wisdom. Yeah, and how do you let go of having to be right? Uh, right. I think is a, uh, a big thing that we're, uh, you know, when you're talking about that Pluto and Libra, uh, in order to bring the balance, you know, you, you have to let go of, uh, needing to be right all the time and yeah. that neptune and sagittarius reminds us of that so it's a little, and, tangent, little tangent at the end yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah i mean we can uh maybe we'll dig in a little bit more into these as uh the episodes unfold uh but yeah there's a lot to be had from these charts and looking at uh how things unfold for you across the scope of your life and there are just multiple ways to dig in uh, you know, with astrology, we're not, there is no hard line. Uh, everything's not filled in where you can just go look at it in one book and know exactly what your life is going to be like. It's a lifelong study. Yeah, it's a lifelong feel into. And uh, if you have any requests for what we 
talk about, please let us know. Feel free to let us know in a comment or however what what you'd like to hear us hash out mm -hmm. in the moment, in the lived moment. And as always, if you're looking for astrology, uh, any kind of astrology reading, reach out to Matt. If you're mm -hmm. looking for spiritual therapy, astrological tarot, depth therapy, uh, reach out to me mm -hmm. and we will see you at the next Priestess Mercury Hour. Mm -hmm.